0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely.
1: Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Investing Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Super excited for today's episode. It's going to bring you a ton of value. We have Jared Irby on the show. Jared, how you doing?
0: All doing great, man. Glad awesome. to be here.
1: Well, happy to have you. And Jared Irby is the president of Irby Homebuyers and the Irby Group of Companies. He is an experienced entrepreneur with a un- unique and diverse skill set. Jared has opened and sold multiple successful ventures in his career, including two startups that were taking over $10 million per year in revenue with significant cash flow and prof- profits. He is highly skilled in marketing, sales, and business management. His diverse experience uh, had required, and he was also a intended the University of South Alabama on an academic scholarship, but left prior to graduation because his first successful venture startup had raz- rapidly grew to over 100 employees. But he went gone from there to started in buying and redeveloping real estate 10 years ago and never looked back. That's how we first met Jared, actually, at a mastermind. He's a uh, licensed real estate professional pursuing a CCM designation, and also over the last 10 years has flipped hundreds of houses and acquired apartment rental communities and transacted tens of millions of dollars in real estate deals. Well, there's a lot to dive in there, Jared. Welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, glad to, uh, glad to be here. That sounded like a mouthful, didn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, dude, we jumped into it, man. I was like, we can go 10 different directions here to start. But, you know, it's also me. I'm just a gorilla just reading off papers here. So we can go from one to the next and uh, let you better refine what you're doing. So, with all that said, and you, you, you had these startups, you know, you, you were into a number of different businesses. Do you remember why was the reason you said, well, I'm going to try this real estate thing? Let's get going.
0: Sure, so in my other businesses um, you know we we started making some money and uh, and I was pretty young. I dropped out of college, which my bio had a fancy way of saying i 'm a dropout uh, but uh, but I dropped out of college to uh to kind of pursue business and um, and, and frankly glad I did uh, but you know we started making some money in that, and uh, I decided real estate was a great way to invest you know, the profits we were making instead of, you know, blow it on sports cars and stuff like that. Although I did that a few times too, but, uh, but instead of blow it all, you know, invest in rental properties and started flipping houses. And that's what kind of gave me a little bit of capital, uh, to get started in that. It just felt like a good way to, uh, safely build wealth.
1: Awesome. And so looking at your business today, if you were to say, walk onto an elevator and someone says, Jared, what do you do? What what do you say?
0: Well, so I would say that I I own a, a a real estate redevelopment company. Um, You know, we're, we're taking distressed assets, distressed properties and, um, and, and basically putting them back into service. And, and so we do that in quite a few ways. We um, you know, we do, a lot of single family deals. We did almost 150 uh, single family houses last year that we uh, either flipped, wholesaled or bought as rentals. Um, but we also do some apartment complexes when we can find those that are distressed and, and need us to come in and, and fix them up. Same thing, some commercial properties. We've redeveloped a few office buildings and uh, and also some uh, retail um, uh, type uh, buildings and uh, and even flipped some land and stuff like that. So I kind of deal in distressed properties. Properties when there's some kind of distress situation is really what we deal in. And uh, the core of our business is Irby Homebuyers, which is a, uh, a home flipping company. Essentially, we, also, we wholesale and flip houses.
1: How did you learn to do all this? Was it you just taking action? Did you have a mentor?
0: Yeah. Well, I wish I had a mentor. Uh, that would have been, that would have been really wise. Uh, frankly, I just listened to some podcast and, uh, and, uh, just went for it. Uh, but that's kind of my personality too. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, even at first when I got started, there really weren't any podcasts. I think I read rich dad, poor dad, and was like, man, I want to, I want to buy some rental properties. That makes sense. The math makes sense. So, uh You know, 10 years ago, it started as buying a rental house, a flip, you know, another rental, doing a couple flips. And really, I was probably doing maybe two deals a year uh, up until about four years ago. And then I started being a little more aggressive with it, doing, you know, five, six, seven deals a year. And then three years ago, I really ramped it up and and decided to, to go full time in the business. And, um, and really ramped it up to, you know, now doing, you know, 150 almost last year and then on track to do substantially more in
1: 2019. So that sounds like a lot of people out there that maybe you're dabbling doing one or two projects a year and just are trying to figure out how do I, how do I make this into a business? Do you remember what it was? If there was a specific instance that it really clicked for you that said, okay, I'm going to go after this full time and really just throw it, throw it down and see what can happen.
0: Yeah, so I I mean, I came kind of came to a crossroads where I realized, um, you know, I kind of was winding down out of the last venture. And, you know, and and it kind of made sense as a a practical transition for me. Um, If I was in a different scenario, uh, you know, like had a a good W2 job or something like that, it might have been a harder transition to go full time. um, But you know, so so it's kind of, you know, my story may be a little bit different than everybody else's, but that's what's cool about real estate is there's so many different, you know, kinds of people in it, whether, you know, this is what you want to do full time. This is what you want to do on the side to build wealth, which is how I started um, and then had a unique series of events that really let me go full time. Um, you know, I, it really depends on what, what somebody's goal is, you know, do, do you want to do this full time? You know, I, a lot, what's cool is you can do most of this stuff at night after your job and then you can massively accelerate your wealth um, because not only do you have a great income, but you also have, you know, the potential to really leverage and scale your assets.
1: See, that's incredible. Now if you were to look back over your 10 year real estate journey Is there something if you went back to the start that you would do differently or what advice would you give? (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say uh, probably the first four or five deals I would completely do differently. Uh, You know, most of it had to do with, uh, you know, overpaying for properties um, and not necessarily because I didn't run the, like I have my formula right. You know, I had my formula right. Like I knew I needed to buy it at this percentage on the dollar minus repairs, but I severely underestimated the repairs and overestimated what I could resell the houses for um, similar problems on my rentals. I would underestimate the amount of repairs needed to get, you know, get in. And I also overestimated um, you know, the, not necessarily the rent, but like maybe how quick the projects would get done and how quickly you could re, you know, recapture your investment
1: any quick tips for investors who are listening about that same problem, just really not ideally understanding how to, how to estimate repairs.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's a whole probably book in of itself, but you know, you're, you're kind of more in the you know construction industry even than I am uh, with, with maybe some of your other ventures, but um, you know, you really got to have some good contractors on your team. Uh, that is the key to it. And, and when I first got started, I was just trying to use the, cheapest handyman type guys. And, you know, you're not going to get first of all, you're not going to get the quality, you're not going to get it done on a timeline on a budget. But even when you're getting into the projects, you know, you really got to trust those contractors to give you good numbers up front. Um, You know, because if you have good numbers up front, it's relatively easy to know if it's a good deal or not, you know. And so I, you know, the biggest tip that I think would have helped me looking back is to really make sure I was doing business with the right Contractors, you know, on the front end, so I really knew what the renovations were going to cost, and, and also have a good plan going into it. Um, maybe you can tell I'm more of an action guy than a planner, and uh, and and there is something to be said that you have to take action in real estate, uh, but you should also go into it with a really good good solid plan.
1: And. So looking at how your business has grown, I, I would consider when you started out, you're doing a couple of deals a year. Maybe you were a one-man show. How does your business look today with 150 plus deals a year?
0: Yeah. So, so it's definitely gotten more complex for sure. Uh, we have two full-time acquisitions, people, uh, that are out negotiating directly with sellers. Uh, we have, uh, in fact, we just hired a third one. So, so it'll be a total of three and we're expanding into some other areas like a little bit out of the city a little bit. Um, and then also we have uh, a sales manager that's over them handles training those guys, uh, and gals and, um, and really making sure that we're buying properties really deep, handling all the higher-level negotiations, you know, daily role-playing that kind of thing. I've got a COO that helps run uh, the business as far as you know, keeping all the plates spinning at the same time. We've got two uh, lead managers that uh, just handle taking inbound calls, uh, you know, and and following up with sellers, that kind of thing. Uh, I've got a dispositions uh, guy that is, uh, handles selling all of our properties and handles the closings when we're doing wholesale deals. Um, and then, you know, we have a property management company we work with to handle managing the rental portfolio. I've got a personal assistant, and then we've got another uh, office assistant that helps us around the office, and then we've got a bookkeeper so you know we've got you know 10 12 people now uh total you know and so it's a lot different than than when i first got started for sure
1: who was the first hire
0: uh the first hire was actually an assistant uh who handled uh the bookkeeping and handled all the paperwork uh you know basically the stuff i was bad at um you know is kind of what i focused on which you know, I don't mind. know if you mind if I go off on a little bit of a tangent, but you know, when I, when one thing that I've learned in business was really to make sure to hire, uh, hire, you know, to basically eliminate your weaknesses, right? Don't, don't try to make your weaknesses better. Try to make your strengths better instead. So my strengths are sales net, you know, marketing, networking, big relationships, that kind of thing. And, You know, I'm never going to be a bookkeeper. Uh, You know, I'm never going to be the detail guy. So my first hires were really related to what I was bad at you know, so, um, so, so my first hire was a, uh, a bookkeeper and then a lead manager, and I would still go out and negotiate directly, uh, and handle things. And then, uh, and then ultimately, you know, it, it kind of expanded from there and we started adding on more positions to where I could kind of eliminate myself. But I started off with the stuff that I was bad at first.
1: It. Yeah, it's great advice. Do stuff you don't like and stuff you're bad at. What's, some solutions for successful hiring, finding the right people?
0: Well, you know, I, am I'm a really big believer and I, and I would say two years ago, I I thought it was kind of hokey to think this way, but I'm a big believer in really setting the core values of, of how you operate. And, um, you know, so so as as our company, we have them you know posted up all over the walls and and everything. But you know, team first, massive action. Uh, those are our two big ones: positivity, honesty, integrity, and uh, complete domination. Right. So uh, so you know, I don't know what what your listeners' core values may be, but it's really important to kind of identify those. And then when you identify them, you start kind of putting out the vibes to attract. Those type of people, and you know, and so you know, obviously, you could go into you know, average, you know, writing a great ad, uh, hiring ad, which you can Google and figure out how to do that. You can figure out where to post those ads and things like that. But really, making sure that you're hiring people that have the right core values for what you need, and then really, uh, really identifying what task you need those people to do and having a really clear, great job description for those people so that when they do come on board, they really are not floundering and you can make sure through the interview process, once you have, you know, those skills, the the, basically the task that you need done, you're able at that point to really make sure that you've hired the right person to fill that position. Um, Which one part of that is personality testing. Like uh, we use the disc test and some others, you know, and and so I would say if you're hiring any kind of salary or W2 position or or even commission position that um, that you do a personality test, make sure they match up with your core values and make sure you have a really well-defined you know, task for those people to do when they get started. So, you know, that you're getting the right person from the beginning.
1: You touched on, uh, you know, creating Google ads and, and coming from your, your background or your marketing background, what, what would be some successful marketing techniques, whether it's in, you know, real estate or, or business in general that you employ?
0: Well, so what's funny is I don't know that I'm a great copywriter or anything like that. I'm really not. Uh, but what I am good at is massive action. So, uh, even if your ad's not very good, get it in front of everyone. Um, and so one kind of pro tip that I've got is social media is really the best way to recruit folks. And it's been probably our most successful, you know, advertising medium will, you know, we, we obviously have a job, we have a job site with that you can apply online and everything, but we drive traffic to that with social media ads. Um, you know, we post them on the normal sites, indeed, and things like that. But we really try to get it into job searching groups, we try to get it to go viral and find friends of friends of friends who, you know, are kind of that that's kind of pre screened a little bit, you know, I, I really want to work my referral network and social media is one of the best ways to do that because you can kind of connect a level or two down from you, you know, maybe it's a friend of a friend of a friend, Uh, you know, and that's kind of pre-screened a little bit better than just hiring some random person off of Craigslist.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now looking at your business today, what's something you're working on in your business to improve today?
0: Well, you know, we're really focused on improving all aspects, but the biggest thing, um, that's kind of always a constant battle in real estate is, you know, we're a marketing company at the end of the day, right? We market to buy deals, we market to sell deals, we market for tenants. So we're really focused on, you know, trying to find those new trends in marketing, you know, really dialing in our marketing campaigns, you know, from every direction. Um, that's where we've really decided to put our focus, uh, before that that, I would say it was really on sales and acquisitions, like really making sure that we had great training for our, our sales reps, making sure that we, they knew how to negotiate really well. So we spent a lot of money and time and energy training those people to be really good at those tasks. And now we're really focusing on, now let's give those people more opportunities to close deals uh, now
1: that they're so good. So, What does the next 12 months look like for Irby Homebuyers?
0: Oh man, it's, uh, it's expansion. You know, we, I kind of set it up to go to shoot for the moon, uh, to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a big thinker. And, uh, and so I, I mean, we're crushing it in our market and that's, fun. And, you know, if you were to stop there, nobody would ever judge you, you know, but we're going into other markets, you know, guns blazing. Um, so I would say the next 12 months we'll probably be in three additional markets and, uh, and kind of running it from our centralized location and then having acquisitions people in those individual markets.
1: Oh, that's incredible. Now, how do you source another market that makes sense to you?
0: Well, I mean, obviously, some of it's geography, you know, we're focusing on, you know, uh, areas that that we can easily access, like, so a lot of stuff in our state, we're in Alabama, and the very, you know, southern edge of Alabama, or or the south Alabama. So, you know, we're focused on, you know, uh, all around us, the major cities in Alabama, uh, major cities that are close to us. Uh, But we're also looking to make sure that, you know, I I don't want to be I personally like the smaller market vibe. We're in a market that's maybe less than half a million people, which you know, in the grand scheme of things, is fairly small. Um, and that's just where I like playing around. I feel like we can be a big fish, and we can kind of, you know, uh, move move the market ourselves a little bit. So, so we're kind of focusing on that on, on keeping. We're trying to focus on like identifying markets that are very similar to ours, similar price points, similar competitiveness, similar uh, houses, similar, you know, sellers, basically, so that we don't have to change our processes too much.
1: That's a really good point about when you're going into similar markets, having similar, similar pools of people you're dealing with. So your processes, you don't have to relearn the curve, right? You can basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, do I think we would do good going into Tampa or Atlanta or somewhere like that? I mean, I think that we're, our salespeople are extremely good. I think that we would be, we would do very well in places like that. But I think those markets are so competitive that, you know, it's, it's a different process that you have to do. And, and so I don't want to really change my business processes now that we've set them, you know, obviously we adapt with the currents, but if we're going to do it on a large scale, we really need to try to keep the consistency as much as possible.
1: Can you think of a a lesson that maybe another real estate professional has installed in you that's really impacted your business in a positive way?
0: Well, you know, joining, uh, you know, me and you met in a mastermind group, um, and and that was just a game changer for us because I got started without a mentor or anything like that, and, um, you know, I went to one little mastermind group. And I'm like, holy crap, there's a lot of smart people out here. You know, I mean, listening to the podcast is great, and I, I encourage everybody to listen to yours and, and consume all the content they can. But when you can interact with people that are doing similar things to you, or you can interact with people where they're going where you want to – or they're already at where you want to go – man, that's a game changer. And so I don't know if there was one specific piece of advice, but it was really being around guys like you and, and, you know, and and other people in in our different groups that we're in now and really kind of going to events and, and really just learning from other people. Um, You know, you get nuggets here, nuggets there, that kind of thing. But it's really, it's really just the general vibe of just stay learning and, and get immersed in it. You know?
1: Yeah, it's amazing just the give back mentality that people have at these events where you're able to just learn so much and people are so open. And also the, the, the realness and the attainableness of it because these people that are in your direct network are doing it on a massive scale helps you accelerate your processes as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, there's some sayings, you know, you're the, you're the average of your five closest friends. And I, I kind of think that's true. So, you know, if I want to, if I want to go to the next level, I got to hang out with people that are already at the next level, you know, so. Um, so, so that's kind of maybe nobody told me that specifically, but that's something that's kind of rubbed off on me from from really masterminding with high level folks is to to stay learning and to and to give freely too, right? Like, you know, I, I get so much out of giving back that I almost feel a little selfish because I honestly, get way more than I give just because you know, even when I when I you know, impart knowledge that maybe I have that someone else doesn't, something always clicks in my head too. So, you know, that's one thing too, for your listeners is, you know, they might not be skilled in one area that I am, but they probably are skilled in an area I'm not, and they could probably give me, you know, some information. And I'm, once you do that, that the doors are wide open and, and you're just going to get even more than you could ever give. So, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And it's a lot different than some of the other businesses I've been in that have been more tight lipped and competitive and things like that. You really, you know, the, you know, and, and it's and other businesses, you know, that doesn't really happen that much. And, and so, uh, you know, I would definitely take advantage of all the information and all the connections and networking that's out there. It's such a huge business, a huge market that there's so many people willing to freely give. It's, it's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. I love that. And if there's someone listening today, that that's thinking about getting started or, or is just sitting on the sidelines and looking for that action step to take with what, what's a step that someone starting out should do right to get going today?
0: Well look that's I'll be honest I might not be the best person to answer that cuz that getting started has never been my problem it's finishing has been my problem but you know, you got to rip the bandaid off and do it. I mean, even me, you know, uh, we've been talking about going into a market for another year and, uh, and you know, have probably been ready for six or nine months, but you know, we wanted to keep getting better and better and better and better. Well, frankly, I probably should have done it six, nine months ago. So sometimes you just got to like file your reservations away and you just got to jump in. Like, well, you know, what, what's the worst case scenario that that's how I try to look at things in business is what is the absolute worst case scenario? And then how do I mitigate those risks to make it worth the, worth the potential reward? And then once you have those calculations, you just close your eyes and jump. I mean, you know, and, 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 and I, I don't want to encourage a newbie to go out and do something dumb, but you know, once you've done your research, you know, at some point, you know, you just got to pull the trigger. You can't just sit on the sidelines. You know, I I don't know how to say it any better or if there's any formula to it, but mine is I kind of just, I do my math and then I close my eyes and jump. (laughs) So I
1: love it. So looking at just your success in business, can you think of a routine or a core process that really helps you accelerate your business?
0: Well, I think really focusing on routines and processes and systems, that's really accelerated our business in general. I, you know, I don't know if any one, you know, process helped, you know, in general, but actually starting to map out our business and map out how leads flow, you know, initially and then how our follow up processes work and how our sales processes work. When you really sit down and intentionally develop, okay, here's step 1 when we're talking to a seller, here's step 2, here's step 3, you know, and then you really kind of get broader and broader with it. You know, and pretty amazing things start happening because you, then you can, you know, start playing chess a little bit. You can move things around, you can eliminate steps that are causing problems, you can tweak things, you can identify where problems are happening. So ours has been a real process of just continually focusing on building systems and really treating it like a business from day one, Um, which is not, which, and day one for me, I would say was three, maybe three years ago when I went full time. Before that, when I was doing it part time, you know, I didn't really focus on getting you know, trying to make it a business. I didn't, you know, it was just Jared Irby flipping houses, right? Well, I should have from the beginning made it Irby Homebuyers and it's a corporation. And even if it was just one person, you know, it's kind of that you fake it till you make it kind of thing, right? Like if you start doing something, you will eventually become that, right? So um, I would say, you know, that that's kind of a key to, to everything is really to kind of make it a little corporate from the beginning and make it an actual business, treat it as a business, treat it as different than your bank account. Um, you know, when you make a big lick, don't go blow it in Vegas, you go blow it on buying more houses, you know, and, and that kind of thing, and really treating it as a business. And really, then when you treat it as a business, focus on your processes. And that's when things really start getting magical.
1: That's amazing. A few more questions. We appreciate your time. Yeah, sure. You, you talked a lot about, about your business and your, your mission statement. Do you have some words that you live by?
0: Well, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh a, that's a little bit, uh, you know, closer to home, but you know, I really am focused on, you know, uh, you know, our, our mission statement for our company is, you know, we want to build, you know, a hundred leaders and buy 2,500 houses. Right. And I think that that, that's going to change over time. But, you know, I'm kind of living by, I want to build an empire for my children, you know, and their children and their children and, and something lasting and, and not just to be a tycoon, but, but so I can really make a difference, you know, in the world. I think that if you, you know, you, you, you work hard, you get a lot, you can give a lot. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to be in a spot good enough to start giving some and, and, and giving more and more and more. But you know, the more I do, it's, it's kind of fun and, and, uh, and, and it feels really good and you're able to help a lot of people and, you know, so I'm focusing on building a big company because I'm I'm a pretty big fan of capitalism, and I think that that can solve a lot of problems in the world by you know creating jobs, creating growth, creating income for other people. Um, so so that's kind of my personal mission is is really to kind of you know have some capitalist values without the monopolies and things like that. But 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 the good parts of capitalism because I think it really helps society a lot.
1: That's incredible. Thank you so much for that. And we really appreciate your time in the show today. For others that want to learn more about you and connect with you, what's the best way to find you?
0: Sure. Uh, Best way to find me is on uh, social media. Uh, Jared Irby, look me up add me as a friend. Um, We're also uh, I've got a mastermind group uh, that we're working on getting going. Do you mind if I say what it is? Uh, It's called uh, Empire Forge is the name of it. Empire Forge Mastermind. Um, It's just kind of a meeting a couple times a year um, down in our office and and our first ones in April. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so you can look me up there, empireforgemastermind.com or or the best thing to do is hit me up on social media. I'm happy to answer any questions or, you know, do anything that I can for anybody. Uh, you know, if you're started or, or, or wherever, I, I just love answering questions and helping people solve problems.
1: That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jared.
0: Yeah. Thanks Jason. I appreciate it, man
1: good. And for everybody listening, thank you too much for you also for listening today. This is Jason with the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Have a great day. Bye now.
0: Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation
1: podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.